0: Hello, Octane Nation. It's Coach Dave here. For you first-time listeners, I'm Dave Jimenez. I'm the founder and head coach of Octane Athletics Training Systems, which is a team of coaches focused on helping people perform endurance feats they'd never thought possible for themselves. To learn more about us, head out to octane-athletics.com slash coaching. You'll see a profile for all the coaches. You'll also see a link on that page to sign up for a free, no-obligation consultation with one of us. It's quick and easy. All you have to do is fill out that form, give us a little information to work with, and one of the coaches will reach out to you to set up some time on the phone or in person, have a cup of coffee or what have you, to go over your goals and plans, provide you with uh, our guidance and point of view on those goals and your plan, and help to set you on the right course. Take advantage of it. We love doing it, and we wouldn't offer if we didn't want to do it. So go to octaneathletics.com and reach out to us. This and every episode of the podcast is brought to you by Gatorade Endurance. Gatorade Endurance. Gatorade Endurance is uh, a special formula Gatorade for endurance athletes. It's not the stuff you'll find in the gas station or at the grocery store. Uh, You will find it in specialty retail stores locally here in the Dallas-Walt Worth area. I know TriShop carries it. Um, You can also get it on Amazon.com if you're a Prime member. The shipping on it is free. And probably the biggest reason to use this, although outside of the fact that it's, uh, it's just good stuff, is that... It is on course at many of the biggest races that you guys are going to participate in throughout the year. So any, any big marathon like Boston, New York, Chicago, Dallas, those are all Gatorade Endurance events. Also, the Rock and Roll Half Marathon Marathon Series is a Gatorade Endurance event, as well as the North American Ironman events also have uh, Gatorade Endurance on course. So uh, for those of you who raced before, you know it's always good to try the things that are going to be on course. And so I highly recommend you guys getting some Gatorade Endurance and giving it a shot in your training to know that it'll work with you on course and that way you can trust what's out there. Go out and try some Gatorade Endurance. Hey everybody, on this week's episode we're joined again by Kevin Kuhn from Classified Nutrition. If you recall a couple episodes ago Kevin uh, made some claims about lactate and lactic acid and he wanted to make sure that he came back and explained his claim about lactic acid and how it doesn't really exist and its relationship to lactate. So we spent some time talking about that and then we get into the notion of uh, ketones, um, supplemental ketones, uh, which I have begun to start to use in training, which um, I am back to doing, which I'll talk about in a second. But before we get in the episode, let let me make a couple of announcements. Number one, if you go out to octane-athletics.com, you're going to notice that we have a completely different look and feel. Uh, so I'd love for you guys to hop out there and check that out. One thing you'll find on that on that site that uh, I'm hoping you'll utilize quite often is uh, the Amazon link in the upper right corner of the page, right by the search icon, is a link. If you click on that link and do your shopping through Amazon, the products you buy will not cost you another penny, but we will uh, they'll give us a little bit of a of a spiff, if you will, for um, sending you guys that way. So if you'll uh, use that link and bookmark that, do your shopping through that Amazon link, it'll uh, definitely help us out. Keeps uh, keeps the costs down for us. It leaps to, it helps us to offset things like equipment, bandwidth, hosting, those kinds of things. I mentioned a second ago, I'm back to training, and you know, I had this knee surgery back in September, and I've been, frankly and transparently, just sitting around sulking about it. And I've been training kind of on and off, catch-as-catch-can, not being a very good example. So what I went and did is I registered for Ironman 70.3 Augusta, which is on September 25th, which ironically is the same day I had my knee surgery last year. So it'll be a a full year from surgery to getting back to uh, racing again. But what I've decided to do to put a little more pressure on myself is to not only race and hope to do well, and i am got my coach back and all those things, but I'm also raising some funds for the Scott Ridley Foundation. Um, Scott is somebody, if you've watched the Ironman Kona telecast the last few years... You'll know Scott as the guy with, uh, that lost his legs in an accident. And um, he has done Kona and several other Ironman events. So he's quite an inspirational guy. I'll put a link on the show notes to uh, Scott's page. But uh, if you're so inclined and you can afford to, I'm trying to raise $2,500 for the Scott Rigsby Foundation. And if you want to help out there, you can do so by uh, going to tinyurl.com slash Iron Freedom, which is just a quick way that I've linked you guys to the website. You'll go directly to a page that will allow you to donate. You can donate any amount you want. There's nothing too small and certainly nothing too large. So if you're so inclined, hop out to tinyurl.com slash Iron Freedom. I should mention what Operation Iron Freedom is because I haven't done that. And while well, the Scott Ridgeby Foundation, you know, created Iron Freedom, I want to kind of talk about why it's important to me. What Operation Iron Freedom does is they provide grants to, to folks that have been to war, folks they call warriors, that were deployed and injured during uh, military service. And what it does is provides those folks with with the ability to regain their health and wellness, recover from any mental or emotional injuries that they have, and to help them reintegrate as they come home from their military service. So they do this by allowing these, these folks to get involved in the same kinds of, of uh, athletic endeavors that you and I like to do. So these Operation Iron Freedom Warrior grants provide travel accommodation, race, free, race fees, racing gear, and, and the like to those, those folks that have been to war and have fought for our country and have come home scarred and and battered in in many ways. So super important thing for me uh, as a kid of a two-time Vietnam veteran who was injured. My father was shot uh, in Vietnam the first time he went, came home, got patched up and went back. And, you know, many, many of these warriors come home from this war and they're not in the best of shape. So anything that we can do to help them I think is super important. So that's why I chose... This particular, it provides me with a mission greater than just getting myself back out there and getting healthy in my own way, um, but it helps me help them do the same. So, support these guys, support me by going to tinyurl.com slash ironfreedom and donate anything you can, and uh, it's a great cause, so thank you. The last thing I wanted to announce is, uh, for those of you that are uh, doing Ironman Texas, which... Uh, At one point, we had six athletes doing it, but uh, here recently, Ironman allowed some athletes to transfer out if they so choose because of a shortened bike course due to uh, weather and construction. So uh, we're going to have four people down there instead of six because we've had a couple people transfer to Ironman Boulder where we'll have four athletes now, which is awesome. Um, So uh, we'll be down at Ironman Texas in full force. I'll be on course uh, down there. If you are down there in the area, please reach out to me uh, via social media or Facebook, uh, and uh, let's get together. Um, I'm also one of the one of 10 official coaches from Ironman, so if you are racing and need any help, uh, you'll get to see me at some of the athlete briefings. I'll be in transition. I'll be in the expo area, and certainly you can contact me via Facebook, Facebook Messenger, what have you. And I'll be happy to be a supplemental sherpa for you and help answer any questions, help alleviate any anxiety you've got. Uh, if something comes up, you have a question, I will be down there on hand. So um, I'm happy to help you. Please just reach out, and uh, that's what I'm there for. Without further ado, uh, we're going to get to this week's episode. And thank you to Kevin Kuhn and Classified Nutrition for letting us borrow Kevin once again. And And uh, Kevin, again, is talking today about lactic acid, lactate, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about ketones. Let's get to the episode. Kevin, you're back, and we're going to discuss, we teased last time that we're going to talk lactic acid, because you made this huge claim that there's no such thing as lactic acid, and then we had a... You can't handle the truth moment. Pretty much, yeah. With a few good men, with lactic acid doses, and that's yes. how private whatever the hell his name was got it. Um, so we're gonna talk about that, and then we're gonna talk about ketones, which yes, sir. I think is cool because your little your partner in crime, uh, not little, he's not little at all. <laughs> what was I doing? He's quite a man. Um, Jeff gave me some down, and uh, he gave me some before you guys. Went to Sea Otter, which I'm dying to hear about. We'll talk about the very first thing, but he I gave hate, me something hate to else. break the news. We didn't go. You didn't go? We did not. Why not? Didn't work it out. Yeah. Got it. Man, I don't know. All I saw was all the bikes they were announcing. I'm like, there's a lot of greatness going on there.
1: Yeah, so. we were a little disappointed.
0: Yeah, well. Yeah. But maybe next year, and I'll go with you guys. That sounds like a plan. Make you go, because I've wanted to go to that thing forever, so... Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So uh, for those who don't know, Kevin, he's been on a couple times, uh, most recently on a few weeks ago, we talked about protein, all sorts of ins and outs about protein. And, uh, he is a self-proclaimed biochem nerd, Yes, sir. Um, which is it always interests me because the guy's <laughs> also a damn good athlete. So, um, today we're going to talk, like I said, about uh, lactic acid. Cause he, he hit us with a teaser last time that there's no such thing. So let's start there, Kevin. Awesome. Um, so lactic, I, I do the blood lactate threshold testing and mm-hmm. set up zones for athletes. And, um, I kind of know about lactate a bit and, um, I've always heard, you know, as athletes, we always hear about, oh, you know, the burn and it's that, it's that lactic acid in your muscle and it's building up and, yep. If you can just... It's mind over matter. Just push, push, push. Just push through it, yeah. And last time you said, well, that's just a bunch of hooey, so um, let's get started. What basis do you have to cite the claim that there is no such thing <laughs> as lactic <laughs> acid? That's the first question I have for you.
1: Where does, where does this authority where come does from? Where does this
0: come from, aside from just being the biochem nerd? Uh, well,
1: that's a good question. Basically, this whole theory of lactic acid causing all of these issues, um being a you know, this negative or useless byproduct of muscle metabolism came around uh back in the nineteen twenties. Um a scientist was doing a study and he was testing uh frog musculature and frog is a ribbit. Yes. Okay. Yes. A whole lot easier to do tests on frog legs and frog then, muscle then than my legs and yours. Yes. Sir. yes, sir. yes sir. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So uh, what the scientist did uh, was um, he basically, I don't know if he soaked it or coated it or, or put drops of lactic acid or what, uh, but he put that onto, the, onto a working contracting frog muscle and it ceased to function. It just didn't work anymore. Hmm. Um, so that was kind of the whole, that started this theory like, okay. You mean to tell me that
0: one dude... In one lab with one frog leg. Almost it,
1: 100 years ago.
0: Almost 100 years ago with mm-hmm. a drop of lactic acid caused all this problem.
1: Basically, yeah. I'm going to find that yeah. person's offspring. <laughs> Have it out. Let them know. Yeah. So that kind of started it all from there. Um, and even then it was just a theory. He didn't know for sure. He just assumed, um, hey, we we produce... Something similar to lactic acid, so maybe lactate converts to lactic acid, and lactic acid is what causes, you know, muscles to stop functioning. Um, in, in other words, that causes muscle fatigue. Right. Um, and then from there, it was like, okay, well, maybe it causes soreness. Maybe it causes that burning sensation, and maybe it leads to all these uh, downstream decrements in athletic performance.
0: Not to a certain extent. You know we have to have lactate, right? Yes, like
1: it's required. Yeah, for what? It's a well. I don't want to. I don't want to dive right into that because I kind of. Okay, I set it up? All right, good. Basically,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll follow. Let's let's do your thing. That's fine. okay. I'll, as long as you get to it, I'm fine. Oh, with we'll it. get to it for sure. Because that's the thing that folks are going to want to know. It's like, okay, no lactic acid. I'm sold. Mm-hmm. I have lactate. I need lactate. Yes. It's actually a good thing. Yeah. Oh, no. So. I get it. But that's the thing people are going to want to know. Like, right. Because that's always a tie. When I do these tests, the first thing I guess, is, oh, you're just figuring out when at the point that I'm going to start to create burn? And
1: I'm like, no, not really. <laughs> um, not really. So. Not really. All right. So I kind of, I, I wrote this out sort of as a, uh, a way to combat the four biggest myths surrounding lactic acid
0: i love it so sounds like a sounds like a good title for this podcast oh yeah four biggest myths
1: that's right related
0: to lactic acid
1: exactly so if i say lactic acid uh pretty much from here on out unless i'm specifically referencing like it used to be or this is the myth around it right i mean lactate but just I may. I'm going to keep you in check. Exactly. All right. So, okay. the first myth is that muscles produce lactic acid, and okay. that's simply not the case. They produce lactate. Right. But that you gotta start. You gotta start there, basically. Okay. Um, the second myth is that lactic acid causes muscular fatigue. Uh, the third myth is that lactic acid causes muscle soreness and that burning sensation during training. And the fourth myth. Uh, fourth myth is that lactic acid causes decreases in muscular and athletic performance. Okay.
0: So. So if you believe one, the next three are pretty much by default. Exactly. Right. Okay. Exactly.
1: So, what exactly is lactic acid? Kind of like I mentioned, um, it it was based around this theory um, testing frog frog muscles. Now you um, told me last time we
0: talked briefly about this that. The only time we make lactic acid is when we die.
1: Pretty much. Uh, there are a few specific cases where I think it, it can happen, but uh, the human body doesn't... Just naturally, every day, right. like breathing, exactly. produce lactic acid. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's not a whole lot of difference between lactic acid and lactate uh, if you're just comparing them structurally, but... To say that lactic acid can exist physiologically in a live human is... Uh, Mostly not right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So...
0: When you say they're structurally the same, you mean like chemically? Yes. Like yes. If you were to draw the diagram, don't do it. There's a whiteboard behind you. I don't want you to do it. <laughs> um, but if you were to draw it out, they would look They'd similar. they look very similar. Got it.
1: Okay. Almost identical. All right.
0: So... Um, Which could be another part of the confusion. Exactly. Right? Some exactly. smart guy exactly. like you drew it on the board one day and somebody looked at it and said, oh, that looks like lactic acid when it were really meant to
1: draw lactate. Right. <laughs> Got so, it. I'm speculating now, though. Exa- well, go. part of that came up because, uh, again, it's, it's, uh, it's not a cause and effect right. sort of situation. But when, when, there's a, when there's a reduction in muscle performance there's also typically an increase in the acidity within a muscle. Right. So the assumption was lactic acid is increasing. Got it. The acidity in the acidity is also causing, you know. But a, it's
0: not necessarily acidity from lactate. It's just exactly. acidity in general.
1: Exactly. Okay. So muscles don't produce lactic acid. Uh, they produce lactate. Um, and without getting too far into it, um, Basically, when the body is using predominantly glycogen or glucose for fuel, that glucose is broken down into different uh, metabolites, which are broken down further, and they go through all of these processes, and you basically end up with pyruvate. And if there's... This is all Krebs cycle stuff. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So... Once that's broken down further, it can go on to the electron transport chain and all this other boring stuff that we had to memorize in grad school. That is basically pointless for me right now. So uh, that's why I I don't uh, stay on top of memorizing that. Right. Um. But this part, you know, is important. So I did remember this. Uh, So if there's, if there's, if if Sorry, if exercise is done at not so high in intensity and there's enough oxygen available, then that pyruvate will actually stay pyruvate and it'll go uh, further into the mitochondria and then it's broken down and it's cleared exactly. And your you, body clears it. You use it. that right. as fuel. So that's right. it's a glucose. It's broken down to pyruvate. Pyruvate stays there and then it's broken down later. But but essentially there, that's aerobic metabolism, mm-hmm. muscular metabolism. So if you're working at a higher intensity um, and there's not quite as much oxygen available, then that pyruvate is converted to, um, to lactate. And that lactate then goes through <clears throat> anaerobic metabolism. Um, so you have kind of both of these two um, processes that can happen they're, they're both happening at the same time, but they're kind of parallel. One where there's a lot of oxygen being used and one where there's not. So the interesting thing is initially the assumption was if there's no oxygen, then it's all lactate production, and, and that goes through the system, and then that produces you know fuel. Um, now we know that without oxygen that pyruvate is converted to lactate But then when that lactate is broken down into carbon dioxide and uh, water, it requires oxygen. But that can be done actually within the cell in the mitochondria. So we're learning new stuff about it all the time. But basically, uh, the need-to-know portion of that is if the intensity is too high, then pyruvate is converted to lactate. And that's just a normal part of of metabolism lactate isn't a bad thing it's just an intermediary metabolite between aerobic and anaerobic metabolism
0: so when i'm threshold testing i am trying to find the effort point by which a particular person can't clear the the body can't maintain it as pyruvate turns it into
1: lactate and it starts to accumulate yes so it, it either it's accumulating because the body can't use it efficiently, Right. So it's not like a it's not waste. It just it's accumulating because the body can't use it. Okay, so, so. that's a negative. Why? Can you explain it? Uh, well, if really what's what's interesting is that um, the lactate can can kind of flow in and out of muscle cells pretty easily and actually it can go into the blood and it can travel anywhere and that's why we can do lactate testing because the there's some stream. in the blood Yeah, but as much as 75% of the lactate that's produced can actually be used as fuel within the muscle um, but when the muscles get to the point of fatigue it's just whatever's there is there so it's kind of again it's not a cause and effect it's just it's Helpful to us because we can, you can see how much is available. Okay. By that point, or or at that set intensity,
0: particular tipping
1: point. Exactly. Okay. Got it. So, um, so it's that bridge kind of between the two. Okay. Um. So that next myth, uh, that lactic acid uh, causes fatigue. Um, Again, lactate serves as a fuel. And we now know that it may even help prevent fatigue. Um, the theory was that lactic acid caused the muscle to become more acidic and the muscles wouldn't function properly in that acidic environment. Um, but within the muscle, the typical pH is around 7.4. Or that's, that's the typical body pH. Mm-hmm. Um, and even with an increase in muscular acidity, the pH doesn't typically drop below about 7.0. And muscular, uh, well, muscular contraction dysfunction doesn't usually start till about 6.8. So there's really not, it's, it's so uncommon for the muscle to become so acidic that it can't function.
0: Yeah, so I, I, when you get, for example, I, I did Oceanside f- about three years ago, and I remember the entire run... My right quad was just twitching. Mm-hmm. That probably had to do with the amount of lactate that had accumulated in my quad, that was causing the muscle to ca- contract out of sync. Or is that not uh, really?
1: that was probably uh, or it could have been de- something dehydration else, dehydration
0: or something like that.
1: Yeah. So okay. it. The again, the acidity in the muscle is changing, but it's not due to that lactate. It's probably due to other byproducts like the accumulation of hydrogen ions, okay. um, which are essentially just protons that are negatively charged. So they're, they're causing that, okay. that increase in the acidity. Um, or other. there's other metabolites that can cause fatigue. It could be Man, fatigue is such a crazy thing. It can. There's so many theories surrounding it. It could be central nervous system fatigue uh, that causes total muscle fatigue, or peripheral nervous system, or um, dehydration, or it can be a change in uh, polarization, which actually we'll talk about in a second. Um, lactate can can help prevent muscle fatigue because it. Can prevent the muscle from being depolarized. So you can think about the muscle kind of like a battery. So the battery will eventually lose, you know, its charge. Right. Um, so uh, there's these sodium and potassium channels within a muscle cell, and the way that the, a muscle contraction works is it goes from an electrical signal to a chemical signal to an electrical signal to a chemical signal. From the brain through nervous tissue neurons until it gets to the muscle, and then at the at the local side of the muscle, sodium and potassium are on opposite ends of or on either side of uh, of the muscle wall and so in order to change the electrical current and force the muscle to contract, the sodium has to go to the you know, has to leave and the potassium has to come in and then vice versa. So as that happens over time, the difference between the the two charges inside and outside becomes less and less and less. Hmm. So eventually when you get to the charges being about equal inside and outside the muscle, you can't get any more muscle contraction. And what lactate does is it helps so literally to... locks up. Exactly. Exactly. It cannot contract anymore and lactate helps prevent, The charge from being closer and closer and closer. Wow. Okay. So it's 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 a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. All right. Yeah. So without lactate, your muscles would depolarize and fatigue really quickly. So it doesn't it doesn't cause fatigue. It actually helps prevent fatigue, which is pretty amazing. Um, the next myth: uh, lactic acid does not cause DOMS. Or the burning sensation. So they, the Doms. assumption was that it's lactic Doms. acid... Uh, DOMS is delayed onset muscle soreness. Okay. Um, the assumption was that lactic acid does that. Um, but uh, muscle soreness and that burning sensation are most likely due to microtrauma of the individual muscle fibers. So the the specific mechanical structure of of the muscle fibers is altered during training, uh, you're damaging the muscle itself. So it takes time, you know, to repair and recover from that, but it's that damage. That's probably what causes pain and muscle soreness and that burning sensation. And
0: it's the muscular
1: damage itself. Mm-hmm. Okay. micro trauma. So it's really, it's really, really tiny, which These structures do, are tiny. We do with any workout.
0: Like yes. When, what we're doing with workout is we're basically tearing down muscle. It rebuilds and
1: it rebuilds stronger and, mm-hmm. okay. and it becomes more efficient and it's able to um, almost like predict what will happen next so it can, it can kind of deal with that type of stress. Okay. Um, so, what's interesting is that low intensity exercise. For long duration has the most effect on muscle soreness, and that type of exercise produces the least amount of lactate. Low, low intensity intensity for a long, long duration time. causes a lot of muscle soreness. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that they used to assume that it was intense that it, stuff that caused it. Mm-hmm. When but really it's lower it's intensity. Interesting, and especially eccentric exercise. Man, in grad school, whew, I was a subject in this. Study where I had to run downhill for about forty-five minutes. Brutal. They, it was it was brutal. They elevated the back of a treadmill onto this big wooden block. Oh, it sounds safe. Sounds yeah. like college. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> was, there, was there beer involved? No, no beer. Good. Yeah, good. Uh-huh. It could have been <laughs> really bad. Yeah. This and they actually took this protocol from someone else, so they weren't making it up. They were like, "Hey, this is a, a set height and all that jazz." I could not move. Comfortably for over a week, like my legs. I hate running. It was downhill, so brutal. Man. I and after that, I was like, "All right, I'm never doing a study again." I would rather <laughs> run up hill. That's and
0: most people probably think that's crazy. I would rather run uphill. Oh yeah, downhill sucks. It's it's so. It's bad. like every step is coming to a stop. Yeah, it's it's a, a, it is a breaking feels. force. Yeah. yeah, it
1: sucks. Like, yeah, like you have to you land on your like, heel.
0: Yeah, so, it's even worse. It yeah. just sends it all the way up to your skull. Exactly. If you look at uh, Crowy, you know Crowy is professional triathlete. Mm-hmm. If you, you ever seen that guy run downhill, it, it's, a, it's beautiful. Is it? He's perfected it. Like, yeah, he's done something with like his forward lean to where he's. It's like it's. It looks like a controlled fall. Huh. But it's almost like he's not even making contact with the ground. He wow. is, but he. And he actually he said in in uh, interviews before it's like uh, that's where I, I really make some gains on people because mm-hmm. I can run downhill really efficiently. It's crazy. That's yeah, You should like look it up because yeah, it's, I'm a, I'm it's pretty, YouTube that it's pretty nuts. Yeah, running downhill is terrible. It's, I can't stand
1: it. It's brutal.
0: It'll it'll wear you out. Yeah, it's like hill repeats. I'd rather do like ups and just walk the downs. Mm-hmm. I don't I want to run them. So <laughs> anyway, yeah. So. Um, so long slow
1: accumulates more lactate than short it it doesn't accumulate oh it doesn't yeah so that's that's kind of no, that how makes they, sense. Okay, that's that makes how they sense. kind of figured out like okay uh this type of exercise causes the most soreness but not very much lactate so lactic acid or lactate has nothing to do has with. nothing to do with soreness okay. um and then the last myth uh lactic acid you know, causes decreased exercises or sport performance. Um, but what's really cool is the presence of lactate within a muscle cell stimulates what's called mitochondrial biogenesis. Um, English, Kevin. It's, it's an increase in the number of mitochondria within a muscle fiber. Okay. The mitochondria are, you know, called the powerhouse of the cell. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're making all the energy. So if you have more think about it as like a factory, right? A factory making energy. If you have more factories, then you can efficiently make more energy. So without lactate, there's no there's no stimulus to make more mitochondria. So it's not decreasing athletic performance, it's actually improving athletic performance in the long run because you're stimulating each muscle oh, okay. fiber Okay, to, so to make more factories, energy factories.
0: So it's sort of an adaptation.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So that increase means more oxygen can be used to break down glucose and fat for energy. Or later we'll talk about ketones. ketones. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to get to that. I want to
0: hear <laughs> all about these.
1: Uh, but since lactate is converted from pyruvate, when there's when the intensity is too high or there's not enough oxygen. The accumulation of lactate kind of signals the body to become more efficient at using oxygen. So you end up with an increased number of mitochondria. So it's almost like because there's not enough oxygen and the intensity is too high, the lactate tells the body, hey, get better at using oxygen because there's not enough right now. So in the future, get better at it. It's pretty good stuff. I'm starting to dig it. I know, right? Um... So that is specifically a prime example of why intervals and especially higher intensity intervals should be a part of every training program. And uh, the other really cool thing about lactate that's similar to ketones is that it doesn't need a shuttle to pass in and out of cells. And uh, so
0: it doesn't require a transporter. It doesn't it need is it. its own transporter. Mm-hmm. It can just kind of flow. Because uh, there's a lot. Of, what are there's a lot of things that require a transporter,
1: right? Yeah, glucose. Yeah. Um, there's like, there's multiple. There's a bunch of different types of glucose uh, or carbohydrate transporters, and um, same with fat and lipids. So it's pretty cool that it can just flow in and out. And um, if there's a bunch of lactate produced in you know these muscle fibers over here. But you need glucose in muscle fibers over here, then that lactate can actually get into the bloodstream, travel to the liver, get converted back to glucose, and then sent to those other muscle fibers. The body is so kick-ass. It is. It's really awesome. <laughs> it's, uh, that is, like...
0: It's pretty amazing. Uh, it, it is. It's, it is amazing. It's, it only took me 44 years to recognize that the body is one kick-ass machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we said something earlier that's super interesting is, like, as technically proficient as we are as a society, there's still so much to learn.
1: Yeah, we don't know anything about the body. Yeah. <laughs> that's what's crazy. The more I know about it and the more I learn about it, I'm like, wow, I, I don't understand anything about it. Yeah. It's so complex.
0: Master's degree, and you still don't understand I don't know anything. enough about it. Yeah. I got it. I don't know anything about it. Appreciate you being humble. <laughs> All right. What else on lactate before we go to ketones? So, Cause I want to get to that. Uh, that. That's super interesting to me.
1: So kind of what you referenced earlier, like how, how is this going to affect how you coach right. and how your athletes train? Um, well, the good news is, uh, what we now know about lactate doesn't change the fact that the amount of training you, you can accumulate is still inversely proportional to your intensity. But, that's again, that's not due to lactate. Right. So the, the more intense that you're training, the less volume of training you can accumulate right. per session. Um, so the goal of training with regards to lactate used to be um, we need to reduce the amount of lactate that's produced during high-intensity training so that an athlete can compete at a higher intensity without fatiguing. That was the goal. And now we know that the goal of training with regards to lactate is to increase the body's ability and efficiency to use lactate during high-intensity training so that an a- athlete can compete at a higher intensity. So the goal is still the same. A whole lot honestly hasn't changed that right. much. So um, basically, if there's still some coaches out there that like, try to avoid it as much as possible. Lactate. Lactate, tr- yeah, getting getting into a lactate, yeah, and we do know do they even concern themselves with it? Yeah, like they'll they'll figure out exactly where that lactate threshold is, yeah, and stay below it.
0: Okay, all the time, all the time, because okay. the so assumption no matter is what, like, yeah. So their their athletes are almost they're never really going that intense, or if they are, it's really short periods yeah. of time.
1: Yeah, like, they may train at that threshold, but they'll never. They'll never go above it, definitely, because as soon as, as soon as that lactic acid is produced, all of those bad things happen. You just Muscle use air S- on
0: lactic acid, exactly. which doesn't <laughs> exist. We just learned.
1: Exactly. I'm being slightly sarcastic, but there's still people that believe that, and it's still talked about so often. So, um, I mean, yeah, not, Google it. And there's
0: thousands of yeah. articles about oh, how to prevent lactic acid.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, in the last Olympics, I'm pretty sure I heard one of the announcers talk about how all of these athletes and I, I mean, I was watching track and field stuff. So, um, but these announcers are talking about how these athletes have to get massages after, you know, all their training sessions to work the lactic acid out. And I'm like, no, no, they don't no, They don't no, the body is, is Massage really really efficient at clearing lactate, right. but it wants to use that anyway, so it doesn't need to clear it. They're massaging um, to re- to help recover and build muscle. Exactly, that's help helping to realign some of those structural, you know, micro traumas, those breaks in the muscle fiber. So that's an announcer not knowing what he's talking about exactly. Right. But even now, 100 years later, we're still making um, the making Olympics that same are coming stuff. up this summer. There'll be another guy saying the same thing. It's true. It's yeah. true. So I did find a few studies talking about um you know what's the most efficient way to train and and this specific study that i found was looking at cross-country runners specifically so endurance guys yeah mostly endurance and it's a study so you know they're they're averaging all of you know the statistical outcomes so you don't i don't think you should necessarily stick to one specific number based on a study but you you can use it as a range use as
0: a range and then figure out where you fall too exactly
1: right? yeah, there's got to be some some you know trial and error in there to figure out uh, you know how your body's going to respond to it but they suggested that sub anaerobic threshold so lower intensity training should make up about 70 to 85% of your total volume your total training volume so sub lactate threshold should be seventy to eighty-five mm-hmm.
0: percent. That's good. That's what I pretty much tell people to do. Mm-hmm. Which is zone two, zone three stuff. In yep. My, that's how I translate it. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: And then anaerobic
0: threshold just, five. Just north f- of that's just north of threshold, right? Just north. Or like of right of at threshold, threshold. Right at it. Mm-hmm. At
1: threshold or just above it. Yep, five to fifteen percent. Okay. And then supra threshold, which is above your anaerobic Red threshold. Lining. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Another five to fifteen percent. Okay. So, really, the the sub anaerobic is going to be pretty similar across the board for everybody. It's when you get to that threshold and and above threshold. Yeah, that you see a difference. You,
0: mm-hmm. Everybody's different, and yep. it depends on when. Like, you know, I can go from threshold on the run being at one hundred and seventy beats. And now, if I test it, it'd probably be
1: like one sixty. Yep. Right? So, so that's changing. D change some. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that can also change depending on your fuel source, and your diet, and all of that too. So. Okay. Um, so, sub
0: threshold should be seventy to eighty five percent. At threshold should be five to fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. And north of threshold should be five to fifteen yep. percent. Of your training. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, again, things we always talk about on the podcast is you need to spend a lot of time in that sub-threshold, zone 2, zone 3 mm-hmm. sort of place. And that's where your aerobic efficiency is going to come from anyway. So yet another reason to enjoy your long, slow-distance types of
1: runs. That's right. And bikes. That's right. But you still want that variety. you got to get a little bit of everything in there. And yeah. Early on in the season, maybe you're only doing, you know, five, six, seven percent of your total training yeah. in that, uh, you know, above threshold. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, right around, you know, your racing, you'd want to, you know, increase that. Um, you know, but without that, you know, zone one, zone two that you were talking about, especially early on in the season to really build that base, yeah, you're not going to be able to to get through that super threshold training anyway. So,
0: yeah, um, I just, I haven't announced this on the podcast, but I just signed up for Ironman Augusta in September. So like right now, all I'm doing is that slow, arduous stuff. So it's kind of nice though. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, know I went went to to the track, I went to the track on Tuesday and it was not pretty. (laughs) It's not pretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm used to, when I'm in shape, I can reel off tens, which I know for you is not very fast, but I can reel off tens in the nine sometimes. Mm-hmm. I was trying to run ten thirties at the track and was like dying. Yeah. So I got a long way to go, but I got time. So that's, that's
1: right. Good. That's right.
0: All right. We're going to talk. Now we're going to shift gears, right? Mm-hmm. So the genesis of this conversation comes from um, Kevin's partner in classified nutrition, Jeff Business Randall. Partner business partner, yes, not life partner. Um yeah, Kevin doesn't go that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, business partner Jeff Randall. He texts me one day, he's like, "Man, I started taking ketones and it's they're amazing. I love them. You have to try them." So, I said, "Okay, and I'll come get some." And he ended up giving me some, which I haven't tried yet cuz I just got them like a week and a half ago, but I'm going to try them on Saturday's bike, about an hour and a half bike, a little bit of intensity, because he told me about some of the benefits. So let's talk about ketones. Again, set the stage, because, again, like, people hear about ketones in terms of ke- like ketosis and those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And they're even selling um, ketones for folks to take to knock them back into ketosis when they have some carbs or whatever. Yep. So, Let's, first of all, like what is it? And then just kind of go into the benefits of supplementing with them, gotcha. if you don't mind.
1: So uh, ketosis was, um, well, originally, and what most people are, are probably familiar with is diabetic ketosis, which actually is uh, a bad thing. It's a very unhealthy thing. Um, but that's strictly in... Uh, individuals who are diabetic. So, um, nutritional ketosis is something completely different. You can get into nutritional ketosis basically from um, either limiting your calories altogether, like in instances of starvation, or by limiting your carbohydrates. So ketones are metabolites I that are. I don't
0: recommend the starvation tactic. Yeah. yeah. It's a bad idea.
1: It is. It's not good. Yeah. Not good. Um, ketones are metabolites that are produced in the liver from fatty acids that are uh, structurally similar to glucose, and because they are structurally similar to glucose, they can be used as fuel in place of glucose. Okay. Um, and that's why during starvation uh when you are ingesting carbohydrates or really calories your body has a large amount of stored you know fat it breaks the fat down into these fatty acids those fatty acids go to the liver they're broken down into um you know usable forms of atp and one of those is ketones um so that's, that's essentially where it all starts is you're either starving or you're limiting your carbs. Um, related to that is, or, or the reason that that occurs is when the body is limited to uh, either not enough grams of carbohydrates or not enough calories, the amount of stored fat that's utilized for fuel has to increase to make up for what you're not getting in your diet. Okay. And that results in an increase in so insulin. That make, so
0: basically the body's going to, because you've shocked it essentially, mm-hmm. the body's going to compensate by calling for more stored, fuel. stored fuel. Mm-hmm. And then it's going to go get it
1: in, in the form of ketones. Yep. So because there's, um, Because there's no need for insulin to store carbohydrate, uh, that lack of insulin actually increases that fatty acid, the fatty acid levels in your blood, and that is also what causes the the increase in the formation of ketones, or sometimes they're called ketone bodies, but it's the same thing. Ketones are ketone bodies. Um, And when those insulin levels are low, that's when you get that surge of fat into the bloodstream. Um which is a good thing for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's keeping you alive at that point. So it's well certainly in that scenario it's yes. a good thing. If you're starving then yes. Right. Um, if your goal is to be fat adapted in, in a ketogenic diet, then that's that's the goal really, is to increase the amount of ketones in circulating in your bloodstream. Okay. Um, so, so
0: for all this ketone goodness do you have to be in ketosis?
1: Uh, you don't have to, uh, like if you're, you can supplement with ketones, right? That's what Jeff gave me is mm-hmm. ketone supplement. So, and that, those are relatively new to the market right now. There's not a ton of research on the athletic benefits or, or the effects of ketones on athletic performance. There's a ton of anecdotal data. Um, so that's what's super interesting r- right now is that there's not a ton of published data, but there's there is a lot of data out there.
0: So Jeff's guinea pigging himself basically by taking them and yes. seeing how it goes, and yes. so he's but basically trying telling me you should try it too. So essentially, I'm turning myself into a guinea pig. Pretty much. Okay.
1: Well. But I mean, uh, like I said, he's not dead yet, so I can I can trust him exactly. So <laughs> the guy who who has done most of the well, he. This guy named dr uh Augustino, he studies the effects of ketones and a ketogenic diet specifically on cancer mm. and he, I like this guy yeah he's out in uh he's out in Florida he's an m d out there um he's poor guy yeah he's studying this stuff and he's found some pretty amazing things about uh he's again mostly. His subjects are rats, but these rats that yeah that he's it's essentially not exactly giving common yeah yeah that's and not that's frauds. how you got to start it. <laughs> um But these rats that they're you know purposefully giving them cancer, the rats that go on a ketogenic diet have a longer lifespan, and then the the rats that go on a ketogenic diet and supplement with ketones live even longer, and then the rats that go on a ketogenic diet and are supplementing with ketones and are in uh, hyperbaric chambers live usually twice as long as those. Wow! So it's crazy stuff. You know, who Mark Mark Sisson is. Yes.
0: Okay, so uh, I think it's on his website. I think which is Mark's Daily Apple. He talked about a study again and mostly anecdotal where um, folks in ketosis that are that are cancer patients mm-hmm. that go and uh, have to go have treatment. If they're in ketosis, the re- their re- their reaction to the treatment is better, and they get they experience fewer side effects in terms of sickness and all that at yes. the end of it, which is kind of interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, uh, he he kind of talked about how the that increase of I guess it's increase of lipids or something in the blood is is what they believe to be what keeps these people feeling okay about about that. So my grandmother went through that and it was a mess, but yeah boy like i said i mean if when you now what or when you then what we know now it mm-hmm. would be a much different s- situation but oh, yeah um so Jeff's claims is he is he sees r p e benefits mm-hmm. from them mm-hmm. um like he kind of he he sort of cited in some ways the the um sim- some similar benefits to the rodeola stuff in terms of but just being able to feel like you can go harder. Mm-hmm. Um, what else what else have you
1: heard so from him and in other studies? So the biggest uh anecdotally and again it's it's still research, but typically it's, you know, N of one. So right. one person or a few people in the study. Um, but a lot of it is related to how much oxygen is necessary to use Ketones as a fuel source in comparison to how much oxygen is needed to use glucose or other fatty acids. And um, uh, one study has shown, um, again, this was on rat hearts, but it showed that supplementing ketones resulted in 28% greater oxygen efficiency compared to glucose. So the heart was 28% more efficient when it came to how much oxygen it needed. When wow. it was on ketones versus when it was using glucose. It's wow. pretty, pretty profound and pretty amazing stuff. That's nuts to think about. Yeah. Um, and another, the other things that are related to that, um, there's actually a review of 114 studies um, on ketogenic diet or ketogenic uh, supplementation that was published back in 2014. And it found that the ketogenic diet spares muscle. Uh, glycogen, it spares glucose, and it also spares the breakdown of muscle protein. Well, the the first two make tons of sense to me because your body's using
0: fat. Your fat adapter, you're using fat as a fuel source, so it's not going to happen. The glycogen stores as much, right?
1: And that's a that's a really good thing because fats, lipids, and ketones are really efficient at lower intensity exercise. Um, so if you can save. Glucose and muscle glycogen, which is higher intensity fuel. If you can save that till, you know, later down the road when, you know, when you need to either put on a sprint or a surge or you just need, you know, quick fuel, it's there. It's ready. So that's one reason it's it's uh, I think going to be huge in the endurance uh, sport nutrition field very soon, and that's why we want to be a huge part of that. Yeah.
0: Are you guys considering putting that out as one of your products?
1: Yeah, very soon. Okay, very cool. soon. That's great. Um. So, the one the, again, there's always two two sides to the coin. Um, ketosis, uh, nutritional ketosis, just altering your diet to increase the amount of ketones in your body can be really good, but it can also be. Uh, it can be difficult. To get into ketosis and to stay in ketosis, so the first two to three weeks, where your body is switching over from from using glucose as its preferred fuel source to using ketones, can be pretty painful. Um, A lot of people experience like like, flu-like symptoms. I hear. Yeah, it can affect mood. Uh, A lot of people. I need a lot of help with that. Yeah, a lot of people get really moody when they're switching over. And because you're you're changing to a different fuel source, your training can take a huge hit too so you yeah, definitely don't want to do it when you're when you're in a a block of higher intensity or higher volume training um we ha- have an
0: athlete jelene who um she just she went through and went through that transition into the ketosis mm-hmm. and I knew I knew enough about it to know like okay jelene, we're gonna back you off for a couple of weeks and You got to get through, got to get through the two to three week time frame that it takes to kind of adapt your body to it, and then Mm -hmm. once we're there, we can turn you back up again. But yeah, and it was so we purposefully kind of turned down the intensity and Mm -hmm. the volume. That's good. While she was going through that, because what I didn't want to have happen is I didn't thought we can wear her out like she can get sick. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it could not be could just not be feeling like you have the flu, but actually getting something. And yes. so we, we, we turned the volume intensity down quite a bit. Mm-hmm. She's liking it now. She's, she spends most of her time there, but she, ha- she did tell me last week we were talking that, um, she's going to start to supplement with carbohydrate cause it's, it is impacting. Like, I don't know what it is that we didn't dig into it, but she, she just kind of alluded to the fact that she's going to, on training days, she's going to start to turn the carbs up a little bit more knowing mm-hmm. She'll knock herself out of ketosis, but then she can get herself back there. Because yep. once the other thing I read was, you can go in and out all the time. Yes. Once you're in, mm-hmm. you can go out and then get back in pretty quick. Like you don't mm-hmm. go through a whole new two week, you know, right. of all that crud. Yeah. You you can, you know, you get there, you pay the price, you get there, and then you can go in and out. And there's ways to test for it. Like there's, there's p strips yep. that you could use. Yep. There's keto uh, strips. And yeah, and keto strips. There's mm-hmm. There's a blood, uh, there's a blood test machine like mm-hmm. a glucometer that you can you can buy to mm-hmm. test for it. Um, I tried it, couldn't do it. Yeah, it can be really. It difficult. was really like. Yeah. I don't know if it's because you know I am bigger and it takes a lot to run this thing and. Mm-hmm. Like I was in a in a major haze, like and I too. I mean it's a easy excuse, but I'll make it anyway. I'm just too busy to like. Go days and days and days, feeling like I'm in some kind of haze, mm-hmm. like not being able to think clearly. That was a big thing. It's like my brain almost wanted to sh- feel like it was shut off. Yep, because
1: it it your brain and your nervous system want to run glucose, on glucose. Right? It wants to run on that, right. and so when you switch over to ketones, it's not so sure about it for a while. Once once it makes that transition, it's it can be an amazing thing because ketones are really, really efficient at getting through membranes. Um, they're not, again, they're not limited to a transporter. So, um, that's pretty awesome. But getting to that point can just be a major struggle. I have another friend who's, do,
0: who, who does it and what he got me to think about doing it. And what he, what got me interested was he's never hungry. Hmm. Yeah. Like yep. he goes, Dave, I can this go your appetite. like 12 to 16 hours, not eat, and mm-hmm. yeah, I'll be hungry, but I won't be like famished. Like, yes. I won't be wanting to, you know, eat whatever gets in front of me. It's like, it's just totally manageable. It's mm-hmm. almost like a mental switch goes off. And it's like, you don't have the cravings that you have when you're, you know, filled up on sugar. It's
1: mm-hmm. true.
0: So, there's ketosis and there's these ketones. The ketones. I hear you saying we could supplement them, which mm-hmm. is what we, I got from Jeff, which you guys will hit the market with at some point, and announce it on ClassifiedNutrition.com. But um, I'm interested to try them. I mean, Jeff's been doing them; he's been swearing by them. So uh, I'm gonna give him a shot on Saturday, and maybe on the next podcast, I'll give everybody some feedback on how that felt. Oh yeah. But most of my stuff was has mm-hmm. been, you know, pretty short and pretty low intensity. So mm-hmm. I know...
1: But once you build that up, I think you'll definitely be able to notice a difference. There's still, I'm still not convinced at what point, uh, you know, at what distance or at what, you know, at what volume of training it's going to be, you know, you'll be able to definitely see a change or at what point it's like, yeah, you need this in order, you know, to make some serious improvements. But, um, again, it's, it's it's going to come down to personal, you know, uh, choices and, um, experience and, and all of that. Uh, you know, I was just looking up, uh, some of the, the dietary, um, I guess basically the, the typical diet for Ethiopians and Kenyans. Um,
0: yeah, cause that's who won the marathon. Exactly. Again. Uh,
1: you know, Ethiopia's women went one and two, and then the men went one, two, and three they eat about 70% or more carbohydrates. So you can adapt, you know, over time and be really efficient eating a ton of carbohydrates and that's high intensity fuel. But you know, you can if if you know you're running marathons and you're you know eating that much carbohydrate and you know during during the race you're supplementing with sugar and that's causing you gastrointestinal distress, well you know that's obviously not going to work for you so that's where going into more of a ketogenic diet or supplementing supplementing with ketones can can kind of get you around that yeah um it's interesting though
0: because people think I mean they read that and they're like oh i can just you know they just seems like they carb load all the time That's. Mm-hmm their sources of carbohydrates are not the same sources of carbohydrates that we're consuming. They're consuming fruits and vegetables and it's a lot more complex carbohydrates. Like you think of Ethiopia and you think about starving people. These are not the starving people of Ethiopia, right? These Mm -hmm. are world-class athletes. Mm -hmm. And when they win the Boston marathon, most of that money goes back to their country. So they're, you know, they're basically handled like Olympians um, so don't just think you can go out there and, you know, eat all the carbohydrates of any source you want and have that kind of performance. They still right. train like crazy. Mm-hmm. They still do lots of long, slow-distance stuff to get su- supremely aerobically efficient so they can run those five-minute miles without blowing up. That's true. You know, so all mm-hmm. of these are these are – got to put all the puzzle pieces together. It's not yep. just one thing.
1: And that's the diet they've been eating – their entire life and yeah. their parents Some of this is genetic too, a can, lot of it right? is yeah. yes a lot of it is um so i'm that's the thing people talk about now who who are you know very pro you know ketogenic diet and they're like yeah well imagine how much faster they'd go if if these mar- elite marathoners switched well, I, i'm not convinced they would go any faster i'm i think they might you know, yeah. slow down. They they why get would worse. You, be... Why would you mess with it? Exactly. Like um, but all that... of these researchers who were, in my opinion, biased towards ketosis and, and low-carb dieting who say, you know, th- this is the ultimate way for athletes to eat. It's like, yeah, but no, <laughs> it's yeah. not true.
0: I think, again, like I had this conversation a couple of days ago about – macronutrients and I have an athlete who's asking me a question and I'm like like they're fixated on what's the percentage Dave I need Mm -hmm. the percentages like it's so important and I that's what led me to ask you last time remember like what Mm -hmm. the percentage is supposed to be yeah So I just kept asking ask this question and finally I was like almost like it was like you know we weren't virtually shook him and I'm like focus on the source like Mm -hmm. I don't I don't care as much about how much of each thing. I want you to focus on the source quality, first. Yeah, like if you tell me you're not having ice cream and you are having oranges, right, or you're having red berries or something like that. Like to me, I'm a lot happier. Like let's let's crawl before we walk, kind yep. of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. You yeah, go into no my fitness pal and you put your. Oreos in there. It's yeah. like, yeah, it's a carbohydrate, but <laughs> it's got no nutrients in it. Yeah, it's not doing anything for you. There's no fiber with it. Nothing. So exactly. Um, I got off on the tangent, but
1: that's true. Though there's hmm. no there's no magic equation. You and I. This is a little off topic too, but I started writing a book a couple years back. Actually, I wrote a book a couple years back called Hormonal Nutrition, and. Before I started writing that, I started writing a book about, um, called Undulating Nutrition where depending on what type of training block you're in will alter your macronutrient ranges. I love you, but that's a horrible name. I know, right? Change well, I didn't write it. <laughs> I started. I probably got a chapter or two, and then I was like, uh, this is... This is too much. This is too much You right got a book in you though for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Un- just not undulating, undulating nutrition. Yes. Is a no go. Hormonal nutrition's I kind of that, that it's one's catchy. Read. Yeah. That one's catchy. And you can get that on our website actually. You can? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Oh, well, we'll have to do that. So. Yeah. It's pretty good stuff. Good. But um yeah, there's no there's no magic ratios. You got to you got to figure Plus, everyone's different. That's that's the truth. Like that's some of truth.
0: us can some of us can take more carbs in. It's not me. Like, my body can't process them. Like, a lot of people can just eat, pretty much eat whatever they want, right? Mm-hmm. And they do well. Mine yeah. I can't.
1: Yeah, yeah, when I was in college, I could eat whatever Dude, I wanted.
0: 44 has been tough on me. Like, I turned 30 this year. This uh, cried me a river. <laughs> Think I'm supposed to be a little bad for you right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to give you the middle finger as well. No, I turned 30 this year. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. Oh, Come I talk got, to me in 10 years.
1: I got one more uh, or yeah. a few more a Go few ahead. more things. Um, so this, uh, another anecdotal experiment uh, that was done by Dr. Peter Atiyah. Uh, he set up his own study where he did a 20-minute uh, cyclergometer test Test or he did a he did a bout of exercise at sixty percent of his VO2, and then on another day he supplemented with about fifteen grams of these ketones, and then an hour after that he did the exact same thing twenty minutes at sixty percent of his VO2, and with the with the ketones he was uh, over th- over the course of the whole twenty minutes he was six percent more efficient with his oxygen consumption with the supplemented ketones. What's super interesting is that in his first bout, he said he was in mild nutritional ketosis. So he was already fat adapted for his first bout. And then supplementing on top of that, he basically used 6% less oxygen to accomplish the exact same 20 minutes at 60% of his VO2. It's awesome.
0: Wow, so cool! Not like I'm loving the sound of these things already. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of scared. Like, are they are they going to end up on some banned list somewhere?
1: I don't think so. Because the body they, makes them. Yeah, they. I don't think they can because it's it's like you can't ban protein. You can't ban amino acids because it's just broken down protein. It's the same. It's just broken down fatty acids. Just in a form that's a whole lot easier for the body to utilize because it's, it's kind of, it sounds gross to say it, but it's kind of like pre-digested. It's already broken down. It's already in, it's almost completely reduced form. So it's just, boom, it's there. It's ready. The body wants so to use that.
0: Let me ask you this based on what you just said. So that that, that would lead, lead me to believe that absorbing it is not, you're not calling on the body to do a lot just to absorb it either, right? Doesn't
1: have to work very hard. It's great. It's quick. Yeah, it's very quick. I like it. So, yeah, how calorically dense is it? Uh, there's no calories. Don't know. No, no. calories because it's a, it's the reduced form. Okay. So it's it's like so branch it's chain amino acids. Kind of a new
0: question, but I'm no, just that's wondering,
1: that's like, a very good question because protein, you know, is essentially four calories per gram, but amino acids are zero calories per gram. But you can still get, you can still make caloric energy from branched chain amino acids. So it's the same with these ketones. They don't they don't essentially have a caloric value, but they're still providing caloric energy, hmm. which is awesome. Yeah, okay. So, That's in good. fact, they were ori- originally developed to help weight loss and specifically ketogenic weight loss. So, but here we are using them to Run faster, swim faster, bike faster, and Good. more efficiently, and um, trying
0: to do all three of those things. Oh yeah,
1: so my whole, I guess, recommendation for when when we have them available um, is since uh, er, since the ergogenic effects are the most significant during longer bouts, um, I'd save the ketones for longer training bouts, uh, lower intensity, longer training bouts. Like longer, define that more more than an hour. Um, closer to more than two hours. Again, it depends on your training status, uh, what your, what feels, um, depending on how well trained the person is, um, the longer. Yeah. So uh, what, what a person would consider their long run or their, um, like if they're doing like a tempo day or an interval day, I'm not convinced that they'll feel a difference. Will it help? It might, but I'm not sure that they'll feel any different. Better off on Sunday's two hour run. Exactly. Got it. You'll feel that. Um, but what I'm trying to figure out now is okay, if you're going for a two hour run, should you supplement, you know, before and then halfway? Or should you, do you only need to supplement, you know, before? So you're trying to figure out the protocol. I'm trying to figure that out. So okay. until then, um, Jeff has been playing with this. A couple other uh, people have been playing with it. Um, I'm recommending until then, if you are doing that long run, combine the ketones with our fuel. Okay. So that way you're still using the ketones right away. Um, so you're sparing muscle glycogen. You're sparing glucose. And then you're also getting you know, our high-intensity fuel that are metabolized at different rates. So you're getting the best of both worlds. You're getting that, you know, fat-adapted metabolism, and you're still getting your high-intensity fuel from carbohydrates. It's a win-win. Okay. So that's so when I
0: go to use it Saturday, I should mix it with fuel and try before. it before? Try it once without.
1: Once without the fuel?
0: Yeah, once or twice without. And if then, I'm doing an hour and a half, I would normally do that
1: mostly fasted anyway. There you go. Yeah, so see how that feels, and then... Start adding fuel in to see if you notice any difference. Okay. When are you guys going to put this in a jar and put it on, on the market? Don't know yet. Uh, we're not sure yet. Okay. So we're working on uh, how to flavor it and stuff like that right now um, to see if, you know, our, will our regular flavor files be enough or do we need to make specific flavor files for the for the ketones or should we just flavor them, you know, just put put everything in the bag all together with the flavor, um, that might be the easiest way. So we're trying to figure out what's going to be the most um, efficient way, but still customizable and all of that. And Yeah.
0: With we're the, excited about it, though. With the methodology that you guys are, met, the paradigm you guys have for the way you guys do everything else, it could it makes sense to see if the flavor files work, because that way you don't mm-hmm. have to mess with it, and plus you have variability. That's what I love about your stuff, is Custom Tiger's blood is my favorite, but yeah. if I want to have white cranberry, I can. Mm-hmm. If I want to go caffeine, I can. Yep. Right, so I kind of dig that about it. So the more you guys can stick with that, I think the more, the better it is. So not only is the stuff great, but I like the fact that you get some choice. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to spend another $50 or whatever
1: to get another flavor. Right. Yeah. That's cool. I'm going to man. How do they get a hold of you? Let's do this. Can check us out at classified nutrition.com if you have any questions about training or nutrition or supplementation or anything at all. Um, you guys can reach me at kevin at classified nutrition.com and uh, yeah, or you you can send us a message on our website too. So, yeah, no, direct it to me well. or direct it to Jeff and we'll get it. Yep, or Facebook, that's right. Yeah, Facebook's good if you got follow us on these guys on Instagram, official classified nutrition. Um, we're also on Twitter, same handle, so All right. check us out, follow us, like us. Um, we're still offering our uh, BFA system with, if you buy the BFA, you get um, time release leucine and two flavor files, so yeah. we, want, we won't have that forever, so yeah, jump on great. it while uh, while it's available. I'll
0: put the details for that in the show notes so everybody That's can sweet. order up. I probably need to order some, so awesome all right brother kevin hey, i appreciate you, so much. you you know that guys uh head out to classified give these guys a shout if you got any questions they mean it i know i have an af- had an athlete that i recommended their thing their their products to um she was struggling to figure out what she was going to do nutrition wise for galveston and jeff literally spent 45 minutes on the phone with her mm-hmm. like one-on-one walked her through everything so when they say yep. it they mean it it's pretty awesome couple of good guys and uh doing great things so we appreciate what you guys do and uh i'll put the all the details for the uh the bfa the before fuel and after system in the show notes you guys check that out and order up Uh, i think the free shipping too is is on there as well so so yeah to your door good stuff that's right all right brother thanks a lot thank you okay That's it for this week's folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you again to Kevin Kuhn at Classified Nutrition, classifiednutrition.com. Go out there, check out the products they have. They only source the best possible supplements they can. So I love these guys. They absolutely love sharing their knowledge as well, as you can see. So let's show them some love. Real quick on next week's episode, we're going to talk with one of the founders of Elite HRV. Uh, he's going to go in depth on heart rate variability, give us a little education on that. So I uh, hope you're looking forward to that. We did an episode a couple of episodes ago about a, the elite HRV app. Uh, and so I reached out to their founder and to see if he'd give us a little more education on the product and on HRV in general. And he agreed to. So uh, look out for that episode. Uh, for now, uh, this is Dave Jimenez from Octane Athletic Training Systems signing out and wishing you the best.